All right, take your Bibles and turn to Matthew 18. I'm going to deal with a, a Jesus subject today. I don't know why it is, but I like to preach on what Jesus has to say about things. I told the Sunday school class earlier today, I was taking Melvin's class. Uh, he went on vacation, and we just need to pray that Joe and, and uh, Melvin and all of them are out on the roads to have a safe trip. And, and if you have been out on the road, pray if you had one. But I told them that one day soon I'm going to preach on money, and y'all go, oh, Lord Jesus, not again. No, I think I want you to know what the Bible says that Jesus says about it. Because if you have a problem with what Jesus says about it, you got spiritual issues, my friend. you got all kind of, 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 of issues if you argue what Jesus says about things. So today, Jesus is not going to talk about money. We're going to talk about why we must forgive. And Jesus gives this parable. If I can find it, there it is. In verse 21, Matthew 18. Then Peter came to him and asked him, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Peter thought he was being kind of spiritual and theological seven times. Jesus says, oh, no, 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 no. You're supposed to forgive at least per incident 70 times 70. Seven times 70. No, and for this reason, Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his counts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. That'd be interesting to have that kind of money, wouldn't it? In the process, one of his debt that was brought in, he, couldn't, he said he couldn't pay, so the king ordered that he, his wife, and children, and everything he had be sold to pay the debt. But the man fell down before the king and begged him, Oh, sir, Pete, please be patient with me. I'll pay it all. Then the king was filled with pity for him and released him and forgave him of his debt. But then Jesus said, when the man left the king, he went out to a fellow servant who owed him money. The Bible says he grabbed him up by the throat, demanded him an instant payment. His fellow servant fell before him, begged him for a little more time. Be patient and I'll pay it. He pleaded, but his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested, jailed until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him what had happened. Then the king called him and the man in and said, Look, you're an evil servant. I forgave you that tremendous debt, $10 million, because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison until he paid every penny. That's, why my, that's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters in your heart. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I don't know if anybody hadn't walked in this house so spiritual that you haven't been tempted to be angry at somebody, to be hurt by people, Maybe even to the point of you have a root of bitterness today. Mike, have you ever had a root of bitterness in your heart? Yes, I have. 
Now, the problem with me is I have to come to this pulpit on a regular basis. <laughs> and I can't preach long with a root of bitterness. I had it for a couple of weeks. I'll know many, many, many years ago it happened here. And that same person emailed me today and said, hey, man, I'm praying for you before you preach at 645 this morning. So evidently, we got that right. Now, if I hadn't had it right, it wouldn't be his problem, right? It would be my problem. You see, you've been done wrong. Some of you have been done wrong, maybe not $15 worth. Maybe it's been $10 million worth or at least a larger sum of money. Maybe you've helped somebody. You've done something for somebody, and they turned on you, or they ignored you, or they, they acted like, you know what? Don't matter what you've done for me. But you know, as long as you have forgiven that individual and released them, you've done what God wanted you to do. Of all the human emotions, there's one that actually, if I'm not, as a preacher, I fear it sometimes. And I shouldn't fear it, but I do. It's called bitterness. For you see, bitterness is an emotional cancer that eats up, it'll eat you up from the inside out. It's a blight that will contaminate you. It's a burden that will crush you. It's a blaze that will cook you in its own juices. It's real. And, and pastoring is since 1980. I can't, well, how many years is that? 80 from 2017. That's, that's, that's a few years. I've had a few temptations in my life to carry inside bitterness. It's normally when I've had a good long dagger jabbed in my back. Somebody lie about me. Somebody judge me for not being right. I mean, they, they, they weren't right. If, if you're right, I still think that we have to Look at this with the compassion through Jesus' eyes. I think if we could look through the eyes of Jesus when it comes to the sin of this world, the man who died for every sin that you and I could be forgiven, I, I would hope that it would take on a different connotation because I think sometimes bitterness overwhelms us. I think sometimes we become bitter toward God for several reasons. You know, I... I've lost loved ones, you've lost loved ones, and there's always that temptation to blame it on God. Maybe you've been mad at a boss who unjustly fired you or a spouse who left you or was unfaithful. Maybe a business partner skipped out and left you holding the bag. Maybe you're bitter towards your parents. Maybe your parents in the upbringing sexually or physically abused you, and you're just downright to the core bitter. Maybe you're bitter towards your dad who never spent any time with you. You know, there's people bitter to the, to the church. Somebody come up to me and told me today that so-and-so, you know, that, that's typical, but so-and-so was, has slamming the church because nobody's called them. They hadn't been in the church for several, several months, and, and they got their feelings hurt. That, that's not untypical. You know, but the problem is you never know why they got their feelings hurt. I'm going to tell you as a church member or as a professing believer, if you ever get your feelings hurt, what you're supposed to do today. And if you don't do it, it ain't my fault. You hear me? You want to carry around all that bitterness? You want to carry around all that spewing poison? That's up to you. But the Bible's clear on what it is you and I are supposed to do with that kind of stuff. You see, 
Bitterness is the result of feeling that someone has done you wrong. The definition of bitterness is harbored hurt hidden in the heart. Bitterness is like a malignant tumor that will ultimately turn a healthy body into a cold corpse. Listen to what Hebrews 12, 15 says about the root of bitterness. Watch out that no bitterness or bitter root of unbelief rise up in you, whereby many are corrupted by its poison. Now, we get bitter for at least three basic reasons. One, because of what has been done to us. Two, because of what has been said about us. Or three, because of what's been taken from us. And it's so cool that Jesus dealt with all three of those in the Sermon on the Mount. Number one, concerning what people say about us. Jesus said, blessed are they when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. He says to rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven. Concerning the wrong that someone's done to you. Jesus said, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you not to resist an evil person. But whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other cheek also. You, that's a tough one. You know what? You slap me. Golly, it's everything in the world for me that my flesh don't come alive. Jesus says, let them slap you on the other face. That, that's why I know I ain't Jesus. But what did Jesus mean in all that? I believe what he was meaning in that is how uh, it's not what happens to you all the time that's the most important thing. It's how you react to it that really counts. What you do when it happens to you. And then what's taken from us in Matthew 4, 5, 40, Jesus said, If anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. What's the principle here? It's, it's better to be wronged than it is to do wrong. If you're going to end up on one end of the stick, end up on being wrong. Don't end up the one doing wrong. That's what Jesus is, I believe, trying to say here. And I think that you and I have an obligation that if we're not careful and we don't handle these things all right, one or two choices is going to happen when we've been done wrong. One is you're either going to be bitter or two, you get better. You're going to make one of the other choices. Here's the sneaky hidden thing, and I know because I sometimes put myself to the test, and I want to know how bitter I am toward a situation. If that person comes around me, I get all bent out of shape. I don't want to be around them. Now, what's wrong with that? That means Mike Franklin ain't dealt with that bitterness. You see, it's not that person. Because the person, look, you're going to hurt somebody before it's all over with. You know, before long, you're going to hurt your grandchildren somehow. You're going to do something. You're going to say something. You're going to promise something. You're not going to be able to come through. And they're going to get mad at you. That's just a gimme. But you see, what you do with that is very important. How you handle that root of bitterness that can grow. It can grow in you like kudzu. How many know what kudzu? Raise hand. You know, kudzu is hard to kill. I mean, if you really want to plant something that grow good in your woods or garden, plant kudzu. Plant it near your house. Y'all want flowers or something that looks like a flower? Plant kudzu. Because you can't hardly get rid of it. Well, you know what I've learned? Once you've accepted a root of bitterness in your heart, Satan don't quit. 
He will bring it on and on. He'll make it like everybody else is the guilty one and you're sitting over here. Oh, Lord, this is why I'm doing what I'm doing because after all, they're mistreating me. When the guilty party is you, guilty party me. Probably all of us, if we're not careful, have a raw edge with somebody. Whether it be a family, the church, something. Don't let it turn into a deep root of bitterness. You see, few people will ever admit they're bitter. The root grows underneath where it's hidden and nobody sees it. You see, a root's very hard to admit that you have the root of bitterness. But if you have a bitter spirit, you're going to be a bitter person, not better. What do you got to get to do with that? Well, some admit it. Some are honest and say, you know what, Mike, I admit, by golly, I'm as guilty as sin. I'm bitter and I'm mad. Okay. You're a man now. You're a woman. What are you going to do with it? Some of you treat it like this little crazy poem. I went to my psychiatrist to be psychoanalyzed, to find out why I killed my cat and blackened my husband's eyes. He put me on a downy couch to see what he could find. And this is what he dredged up in my subconscious. Mine. When I was one, my mommy hid my dolly in the trunk. And so it follows naturally. That's why I'm always a drunk. When I was two, I saw my father kiss the maid one day. That's why I suffer from a kleptomania. When I was three, I suffered ambivalence from my brothers. So it follows naturally that I poisoned all my lovers. I'm so glad that I learned the lesson that it taught. Everything I do that's wrong, it's somebody else's fault. You want to know what will keep you in your deepest, darkest, dreadful hour? You keep blaming on everybody else why you're so bitter. Remember, bitterness can't take root if if you don't let it. And let me tell you something. You control it. It's a weed that you're supposed to weed out. Jesus said, we must handle it. There's a course of action that we must take. I don't like it any better than you do, but it's called forgiveness. Did you know that forgiveness in its totality is made up of three elements? One, injury. What's that mean? When somebody supposedly had done you wrong. Two, a debt. In other words, somebody owes you. Three is cancellation of that debt. Forgiveness means to cancel a debt in order to provide an opportunity for repentance and restoration of a broken relationship. Forgiveness is setting someone free from the obligation to you as a result of you being done wrong in your mind. Let me ask you something. Right now, I done stirred up a bunch of stuff in you. And some of you are still holding on because it just eats your, it 
It grips you. It's, it, it will not let you be free. You say, Mike, what do I do? Cancel the dead. Release them so you can be free. Release it. You're the one holding on to it. You're the one that's driving crazy and you wake up at 2 in the morning, 3 in the morning, 4 in the morning, 5, can't sleep. It's you. It's not the person that's done you wrong. Quit blaming them. It'll only keep you in your greatest nightmare. Bound to whatever you're a, an addict to. And look, you don't have to be just an addict to alcohol and drugs, my friend. Some of you can't eat right because you're an addict. Some of you can't sleep right because you're an addict. You're worried. You're hanging on to bitterness. You're mad. Look. To be right with God, we have no option. We have to release the debt that is due us. Got to release it. Now, that makes me mad sometimes because I like to hang on to it. My my grandmother, my grandfather, he was kind of laid back. My grandmother get in your face quickly. And I hung out with my grandmother. I liked her. You didn't mess with my grandmother. Telling you what, son? I've seen her back down a lot of folk. My grandmother and her sister didn't get along. Y'all got any kind of like that going on in your household? Hmm? Feeding? Hatfield and McCoy's. I got to be careful because I forgot we got some kids. <laughs> Look, you can't be right with God and hang on to the feud. I'd go home from Bible school and meet my grandmother. And I'll never forget, Cindy and I just got married, and I wanted to take her to meet her sister. She said, you ain't going up there. I said, why? We're feuding. You're on my side. You feuding with me. I said, what are we feuding about? She said, I don't remember. <laughs> Honest to God truth, she did not remember. Now, at least if I'm going to hang on to something, I'm going to remember it. But if you can't remember it, why are you feuding? You know, there are just some people you just don't like. I know you. You just don't like them. You're jealous of them. You think they got something you don't. Ladies and gentlemen, you need to release that and give them to Jesus because Satan's eating your lunch. How do we forgive them? It's a decisive act. It's a progressive or productive process. You simply decide today. Guess what? You could walk out of here as free as a bird or just as much in bondage as you are right now. You can say, I am going to release it. Forgive them of the dead. Or you can hang on to it. Your choice. Jesus said in Matthew 18, as Peter replied, Lord, how often did I have to forgive him? Seven times. She said, nope. 490 times. We don't hear that, do we? As a pastor, I love premarital counseling. You, you want to know why? I get you before you get mad. Now, that ain't always the truth. 
But most of the time, 99.9, most of the couples come in there, they don't see the wrong in either one of them. And you can just about tell them what you want to because they ain't going to remember one word of what you said. Except this. I always tell them this. When you have your first fight and you get mad and you start getting bitter, come to my office. It didn't cost you anything coming in, and it won't cost you coming back the second time except maybe salvaging your marriage. Now, I'm telling you something. You want to know what causes couples today not to be able to communicate one another and why they bust up? Because they're bitterly mad. They're holding on to this this grudge, and you you can't let go of it. If you could, you wouldn't feel the way you do. You wouldn't have that kind of fire in you. We live in a world starving for forgiveness. We live in a world seeking forgiveness. Guilt and shame of the past follies and failures serve as a ghost which haunts the lives of a million people. We long for forgiveness. We look for forgiveness. We live for forgiveness from friends and parents and spouses and those that we look up to. We want to be forgiven. But if you can't forgive, to me, a sad tragedy is the very place that someone ought to be able to come and be forgiven ought to be the church. But it's turned into one of the most critical, judgmental institutions that's on the face of this earth. I know why some people don't want to go to church. Because they're tired of being judged. And let me tell you something. I don't want to be cruel here, but this is most of the time the truth. Your hardest judgment, you're guilty of. Most of the time, you're the hardest on the very thing you're guilty yourself. Let it go. Get yourself right first. Release it. Let it go. I told you I was going to tell you what to do when you're wounded as a church member. This, this is one of them today that you don't amen, do you? I ain't heard nobody amen. I hear a lot of, oh, Lord, I wish he'd get on another subject. Well, it's about forgiveness. I can't go nowhere. I'm hemmed into a corner. Matthew 18, 15. If a brother or, or believer sins against you, go to them privately and point out the fault. If the other person listens and confesses it, you've won back a person or a brother. But what happens if it's unsuccessful? Jesus said, take one or two others with you and go back. And again, try to do everything you can with witnesses there to make it right. If that person still refuses to listen, then take the case to a higher court, higher church. Has that ever happened here at the church? Oh, yeah. I'm not proud of it, but yeah. But no, I don't take it to the congregation. That's why this church has what is called a board of directors. And yes, we take problems in there, and we'll address those in there in, a, in as loving a way as possible. Nobody been beat up or nothing. But listen, ladies and gentlemen. It's the person that is hurt 
is supposed to go. And then if you know you hurt somebody, then you ought to go. Why? Try to get it right. It shouldn't be our mission in life to carry around heartache the rest of our life. Mike, are there people that have things against you? Sure. Always will be. I don't like it. But I, I have to release it. You know, why, why, why does it say in Galatians 6, 1, Paul says this, Dear brothers and sisters, if, any, if another Christian is overcome by sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help the person back onto the right path and be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. In other words, it's not going to probably work out if you look at it the old country boy way. You've got to let the grace of God and the mercy of God permeate your life. Forgiveness is free, but it's not cheap. Amen? Y'all can amen that. Forgiveness is free, but it's not cheap. Amen that. Get this out. Y'all making me nervous now. Jesus said, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle the account. We know that this this person embezzled probably $10 million from him. I could just hear that go on in the church today. Jesus tells that this great large sum of money was a man who sought and begged for forgiveness. And guess what? Jesus forgave. He said, this debt is is equivalent to the sin debt. How many of you here could pay for your sin debt today? Unfortunately, we, we're, it would be trying like to accumulate $10 million if we don't have it. We can't do it. You see, when we come to the sin debt, it's an unpayable debt. Sin is unpayable in it no matter how hard you work or how try how good you try to be, how often you attend church on your own, or you'll never pay off the sin debt. I like the debtor owed a debt he could not pay. And the king paid a debt that he didn't owe. That's exactly what Jesus did for you and me. We owed a debt we couldn't pay. Jesus forgave forgave a debt he didn't owe. You say, I can't forgive. Yes, you can if Jesus did. There's not a thing that you and I can't do if he didn't do. If he released you of our sin debt, then you can release anybody and everybody of their false or they're wrong, or whatever they've done. Forgiveness experienced should be forgiveness expressed. The first point I throw it up there for you, Jody, we should thankfully receive forgiveness. I'll say a few things about this. One of the problems today that why we can't release debt and why we can't release people, we won't forgive ourselves. And sometimes there is something that's went on in a traumatic way in our lives 
to where we can't release it. We won't forgive that person of it. So we will not express forgiveness because we can't receive forgiveness. Y'all got that? You know, how many of you have struggled with something you did wrong in your life and it wakes you up years later and you, all of a sudden you just feel all dirty all over and you've done been forgiven? Who did that? The enemy. And so you'll keep beating yourself up till finally, if you're not careful, you'll be back in it all over again. I've learned this about Jesus. If he forgives it, it's a done deal. But remember, you got to be serious about turning from it too and releasing it. And then second of all, we must humbly render forgiveness, which means the man who had owed $10 million had took one of the servants that owed him $15 and put him in prison. Isn't that kind of what we do today? When Jesus come and forgive you of a $10 million plus debt and you won't forgive of a little measly hurt, aren't you kind of being selfish? I would think so. I would say that for us not to release the debt of a $15 debt and throw them in prison until they pay it back. By the way, how are you going to pay anything back if you're in jail? This lady. This goes way back. Good Lord of mercy. Our Sunday school teacher we had disappeared. We were going to put out an all-point bulletin. We hadn't seen him in weeks. Didn't know where to go until I found out he was in jail. Boy, that was good, wasn't it? He hadn't paid the truck note of his ex-wife, and she had him put in jail. I went over and visited him. He said, you know, I'd love to pay this note, but I can't. I said, I understand. You're in jail. I said, so well, what you want me to do, go talk to her, would you? I said, I reckon so. So I went over and I sat down. And I said, I know you're mad at him because he's not paying your truck payment. But how's he going to pay his truck payment if he's in jail? She said, I hadn't thought about it. So really, was she wanting punitive damage or punishment? Some people just want punishment. I want to be God. You can't be God. You got to let God handle it. And finally, she let him out. And he paid it. He's with Jesus today. But it's a bizarre thing to demand a debt to be paid that you're guilty of yourself. Isn't that bizarre? Jesus said, it's due to bitterness. Refusal to forgive people their mistakes. In 1965, my grandmama that told you that I got a little of her fight in me, I played city ball when I was a kid. I probably was about nine years old in 65, somewhere around there. And I was on the city team 
And my mom and dad moved to Atlanta, Georgia, where they both died up in Emerald Estates. And for some reason or other, my mom and dad left me and my grandmother all summer long to play ball. Parents are different today. Anybody in here leave your kids for four or five months with your grandparents? I hope I don't eat your grand. Well, anyway, I was playing ball. wasn't thinking nothing about it, but I wanted to go see my mom and dad. I hadn't seen them in a month or two. I, I was getting homesick. And I knew they'd done moved down to a new place. So I conned one of the men on the team to bring me. He said, if I bring you to Georgia, you're going to go back with me. Because we have made city champs, and you got to play. I said, okay. Well, I was lying. I knew if I could get somebody to bring me from Knoxville, Tennessee to, to Wesley Chapel Road, I wasn't leaving. But I didn't let him know that. I got down there, and sure enough, I, in my mind, I go, what? Mom and Dad would leave me in Tennessee four months? I ain't but nine years old. He said, all right, Dave, we're going. I said, not me. Man, what did I tell you? I said, if I, I said, I don't care what you told me. I ain't going home. Unless my mom and dad makes me, I ain't a going. He left without me. Well, I wish that was the end of the story. My grandmother turned that fight in her <laughs> on me. I became the problem. I just want to be with my mom and my dad. I went back to visit her, and I dreaded that trip. I went in there. She cut out every piece of paper of that game, the, the, how many times we won. She had a scrapbook put in my face of how sorry I was by not playing. And I looked at her, and I said, I don't care. I wanted to be with my mama and my daddy. More my mama than my daddy. There is a wonderful, wonderful device in closing this thing. And we all have them. Now, some of you gotten so used to it, you can't count two plus two anymore. If somebody said, what's two plus two? Oh, let me go get my calculator. On that calculator is a letter C. Now, you can have one of the biggest messes going on in that calculator. I mean, you could punch in all these numbers and, be, and just be one big mess, and all you got to do is hit the C. What's that stand for? Y'all know, right? When I came to Jesus, my life was one big mess. And what happened was, when I came to Jesus that night, he hit the C button, and it cleared it from the past, present, and when it comes to salvation, even to the future. I don't understand that, and, and I'm not going to try to question it. I just accept it. But there's some of you, you and you come in here today, and your, aunt, your uh, ad machine is in a mess. And you can straighten it out by hitting one button. 
It's got to be you. You have to hit the sea. Mike, you mean to tell me that I have to hit the sea even if they won't forgive me? Yep. Because I don't want you to be affected like I've been affected in my life. And I've held things against people, and it was downright evil to do so. Two little brothers, Timmy and Johnny, finished supper, and they were playing. And the mama said, what's going on? Johnny said, I'm going to whoop Timmy. He said, no, you're not. You're going to forgive him before you go to bed tonight. He said, Mama, I might forgive him. Forgive him tonight. But in tomorrow morning, I'm going to whoop him. <laughs> you know what that's called? A root of bitterness. What do you do with it? Man, that's the only thing I've ever said. I've had to get down and say, oh, God, I'm a sorry person. And say, Lord. Hit the C button. Clear it. And I want to be free from all those who despitefully use me and want something out of me that I can't get. Heads bowed.